0: Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris, and I am just very grateful to be joined today with a very busy man, Dr. Brian McClanahan. Uh, Dr. McClanahan, I'm just going to call you Brian because I know you. We've met a few times, but you have your hands in so many different pots. So um, could you tell everyone a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do,
1: and um, then the organizations that basically you're running? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I am I have a PhD from uh, University of South Carolina in American history. Um, I have my own podcast, The Brian McClanahan Show. I'm also involved with the Abbeville Institute, which is um, an organization you've, you've taken part in before our summer school That's and right. actually wrote a song about me. So uh, this is great. Uh, <laughs> I did, yes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I do that. And of course, I also have a, a full-time job on the side. I teach at a community college in Alabama and um, so I, I've got my hands in a lot of things. Um, I do the podcast for the Abbeville Institute. I help organize the website and do that kind of edit uh, the website. So, and I also have my McClanahan Academy, which is um, my online learning portal. Uh, it's uh, I've got seven classes there now. It's a great way to uh, get the non-establishment history education. So if you're looking for that, I've taught in the community college or a college environment for 20 years. So I know what's going on there. Um, it's not good overall. And so a lot of people come to me and say, "Where can I get an education that doesn't involve uh, these uh, you know left wing professors or progressive professors and you can go to Mclanahan Academy and do it so I've got a new course uh, which actually we're talking about this off air but if you're a homeschooler if you're a lifelong learner but the, the newest course I have is us history to 1865 and it is a, a comprehensive uh, out of the box lifetime curriculum for uh, for US history and so um, it's fifty-four lectures. It's eighteen weeks. You've got reading seminars. You've got lectures on material. You've got suggested reading, tests, quizzes. So it's got everything you need if you want to have a homeschool curriculum that is not uh, PC or uh, driven by the progressives or the establishment. It's 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 uh, what I would want my kids uh, using. And of course, we also homeschool. My family does. So it's um, after all the curriculum I've looked at, it's it's something I thought I need to do this and put something out there that'll be good for for uh, homeschool families, but also anyone who's not a homeschooler just wants to learn some U S history. So, uh, and because I'm doing this podcast, I've got a coupon code, use the coupon Harris, you get 25% off. So go out there and use that and get that class. Well, thank you so much for putting that
0: coupon code out there. Uh, that's one of the reasons, the main reasons I wanted to interview you because I mean I'm frustrated beyond frustrated, uh, with education, um, because I thought even Christian education would be better. And some of the same lies, That come from a marxist worldview i was getting in secular education has also made its way into christian education and a lot of my listeners are christians uh they they value traditional american values and um, there's just not even a lot out there for homeschoolers so uh, when i saw that you in you know uh, with all your other endeavors you're doing in (laughs) somehow you found the time to put out this curriculum i was excited and i'm so glad that uh that we can um, promote that. So um, I wanted to ask you a fun question, though, before we talk a little bit about history and maybe some historiography. Um, who are you voting for in uh, 20, uh,
1: 2020? <laughs> well, uh, if it's uh, I, when I when I voted in 2016, I never and I'll say this, I've never voted for a main candidate, mainstream candidate in and I can't remember how long. Um, so in 20, uh, 2016, uh, I voted for the uh, for the const well I guess it would be the Constitution Party. I'm trying to think who was on the ballot that wasn't Republican or Democrat where I where I am, and I don't even care uh, because yeah. I just don't I don't vote mainstream candidates. Uh, but Trump is preferable to any of the other uh, other candidates. Yeah. You know, the Democrats. Have you, so. have you watched the, any of the debates or seen clips or? I watched the not this round but the round before that. So, and, so who's uh, your uh, favorite? If you had to pick a Democrat, if you had to, who would you pick? Um, well they're all pretty bad in in one way or another but the best just because of foreign policy would be tulsi gabbard um and so the the congresswoman from hawaii um she has the best foreign policy um she's the most if you mean if you're kind of a libertarian you lean that side she's the most libertarian on some issues so i think she would be the best if, if i had to pick but of course she's not going to get the nomination um right. i believe it's probably going to be joe biden uh without a without oh, doubt that, joe. yeah they're they're going of course i'm I I'm from Delaware originally. So Joe Biden was our Senator for a long time. And uh, when I was there and um, you know him well, I I know Joe Biden well, yes. (laughs) So Uh, so it's unfortunately he's going to probably get the nomination. He's not a good choice. Yeah. So you're not feeling the burn,
0: which is, which is good. I mean, for, for everyone who would be taking your history course, you just want to make sure (laughs) Um, I want to ask you, you've written a bunch of books and uh, I'm not going to name
1: all the titles here, but what's the favorite book, the favorite project that you've worked on? Uh, well, I mean, my favorite would probably be The Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution um, because that's kind of the hub of everything I've done. Now, it wasn't the first book I wrote. When you look at My Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America or How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America, both those books are based on that book. When I was doing the publicity for The Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution, um, a lot, I did a lot of media for that. And inevitably, it would come down to, what do you think about the executive branch? what do you think about uh, the the legislative branch and the powers or government in general? And I had a response to the executive question that virtually every president of the last hundred years should be impeached. And that (laughs) really set people off. How can you say that? So I thought, well, I need to write a book just on the presidency. And that was the nine presidents book. And uh, that was one of my bestsellers. But my favorite still is that hub, that constitution book, because it, it sets everything up. I get into originalism. I talk about what the founding generation wanted the constitution to mean, what they said it meant when it was ratified, not just when they wrote it, but when it was ratified. And so I go through clause by clause. I actually have a a class on the constitution at McClanahan Academy too. So, um, there's so much there that you can do. And, and, um, it's, it's all designed to get, these books compacted in so people can get those those lectures too
0: yeah and i notice you you're trying i don't, I don't know if you're quite complete yet but you're going to have a comprehensive american history yes. co- not
1: multiple courses there right yes it'll be two halves just like you would take at a university or a college it'll be uh the, the 21865 1865 the president uh that second half will be out in the fall so uh if you're looking for an entire year if you're a you're going to get it all it's just that you get the one part. And if you sign up for the first one, you're going to get a great discount on the second one. So okay, when that comes out, yeah. Good to know. So let me ask you this. Uh,
0: both sides, right and left, are very dissatisfied with the direction of the country. And both sides think there's, there's just something wrong. Something feels off, and it has felt off for a while. And uh, – you know, of course, I come from the, probably the right side. I'm more of a conservative, and so I don't like the progressive direction that I see. But there's those on the progressive side. I was just in California recently. Uh, in fact, I, when I went from San Francisco driving to Lassen National Park, I passed a sign that said, Welcome to Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And um, there is a cultural divide in Northern California and the more rural areas and the coast. And so th- this is going on in our country right now. Where did we go wrong? as a country, as a people, what, what's the problem? What's in the water that people are
1: feeling? It's nationalism. Uh, I think nationalism is uh, at the root of why people are so angry in America. And you know, if you're, if you're a Trump supporter now, nationalism sounds great because your guy's in office. And so that means you can go out and you can get what you want, theoretically. I and mean, we know that not everything works out that way, but you get what you want, but then what happens when, you know, let's say Biden wins next time or when Obama was in office? Uh, we don't like nationalism then, because they're going to get with everyone. So, what happened is we have this one people idea that we're all just Americans and everybody's just going to get along. We're just going to go behind whatever happens. We know that doesn't work. So, the original Constitution was a federal model. You know, we had the states that could handle domestic concerns, and the central authority could handle commerce and defense, and that's it. Um, so, even in a state like California, which is a huge state, you also have divides there, and. I've taught a lot of students from California because I teach near a military base. And you've got conservative students from California. You've got liberal students from California. It's interesting to see that um, the conservative students are just really hate what goes on in the state, the the liberal students. I mean, they love California. They think this is great. I love this place. So you you have that. And I think what we really need to think about in America is how can we get along? And, And one of the best ways to do it is simply live and let live. And that's the, In my own podcast, I talk, you know, think locally, act locally. It's what can you do in your own community that would make your life better uh, and not worry about the center so much? Because the center is, uh, if if it's pushing an agenda that's not what you like, uh, it's going to make you pretty, pretty cantankerous. And of course, that's when the progressives want to go out and yell at the sky because they think uh, they can't do anything about this. And, but if they just worried about their own backyard, uh, perhaps their life would improve and they would have a more positive outlook.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good word. And I mean, I know um, uh, the, the term that's often used for this way of thinking is the Jeffersonian tradition, right? And right. that America started out as this compact and then it's changed. W- where do you think we got off track with nationalism? Because I know different people put a different date and they think, well, Woodrow Wilson was the problem. No, it was Lincoln. No, it was actually before that. It was Hamilton. I know you wrote a book about Hamilton. Right.
1: Uh, where do I say we got off track? 1789. <laughs> so it wasn't. We didn't have. A, a, a... We didn't have long. There right. <laughs> was, it was the when the Congress passed the first Judiciary Act in 1789, which uh, created the federal court system. Uh, when they did that, there was a part of that act that allowed for appeal of state court decisions to the federal court system. And so once that happened, uh, and Virginia recognized this. In fact, they tried to block it. This is the Supreme Court case Cohen's v. Virginia where Virginia said, All right, look, we're not gonna allow that to happen in Virginia. Once we make a decision in Virginia, it stays in Virginia. And so uh, these two uh, brothers, the Cohen brothers, uh, were, were arrested for selling lottery tickets in Virginia, and it was illegal to do so. They were, they were actually Maryland citizens selling DC lottery tickets in Virginia. Well, they were fined. And instead of just paying the fine, they got a, a lawyer who would sue in federal court, so skip the entire Virginia court system and went right to federal court, and uh, that was the Marshall court. And they said, yeah, Virginia, you can't do this. You can't, you can't make it to where you can't appeal to the federal court. So that federal court appeal changed everything, because then you have a Hamilton, who's able to use his constitutional machinations, his, his uh, you know, smoke and mirrors. And then, of course, Marshall just simply echoed Hamilton on the bench. Um, and so I think it's, it's very clear. It's right away, from the beginning – the nationalists were trying to foist this national system on the center, on, on the United States from the center. And, and uh, it didn't have to wait till Lincoln. It started right away.
0: Now, of course, you know, Edmund Burke is famous for the absolute power corrupts absolutely. And from coming from like a biblical understanding of human nature, humans love the idea of controlling things. And we have a sin nature that that likes to uh, run amok. And so is this just an inevitable uh, is this in the fabric of just anything? Like if we try, let's say we, today we went back to the uh, original constitution and I know we can't, but let's say hypothetically, would we just run this course again? You think, or, or is there some wisdom that we're missing?
1: Mm, I think that's, that's a very good question. Um, that's philosophical. I I think that we probably would get back here. I mean, look, Hamilton for all of his wrongs actually said in, in June of 1787, he made a speech in the Philadelphia convention. He said, look, Here's what we need to do. We just need to have an elected king. Why? Because we're going to get there anyways, right? So let's just skip over all the nonsense. We're just going to go right to that. It's going to. We're necessarily going to get there. So we just should go there right now. <laughs> and and I mean, he was right. I mean, he we he was absolutely right. Now Hamilton helped bring that about, but I think that uh, human nature. I mean, if if you believe in uh, from a Christian worldview and in in, um, in sin, uh, and you believe in. The fall of man and you believe that, uh, you know, original sin, well then you're going to, you're going to see that this is actually going to happen as man does these things, man is going to corrupt. So um, there's really no perfect government system. You just have to, and this is what the founding generation, they talked about it all the time. There's no perfect government system, but there's some that could maybe work better. Um, and so perhaps they, they tried to create that, um, but of course you're going to see people get in the way, and and as you get cultural imperialism, my way is better than your way, so you need to live like me, or whatever the case may be, that, that's really going to factor into that too. Now that's a, this is a really good segue, Brian, because um, historiography
0: was something I wanted to at least briefly talk to you about, the study of history and, and how we approach that, and you just, I think, articulated what a conservative traditional American conservative would think that there is no perfect system and you you need to live with the people that are actually in your community and you know learn to love them and and make it work the best you can Uh, and it gets dirty on the farm but there is uh, a a system of thought now that I sense that says we can reach a utopia and I I see this in the Democratic Party especially but I'm not going to say it's not in the Republican Party but Uh, we're just getting better and better. Look, we've eliminated slavery. We gave women the right to vote. Uh, And now, I mean, fast forward, we had the civil rights movement and now LGBT concerns. I mean, we're just laying off all the constraints that even nature poses on us. And through technology and through um, just, you know, all all the social improvements coming out of the government, we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And and there seems to be a fundamental difference um, between looking at the world through that way and then looking at the world the way that you just articulated is is that the difference is that is is that what's wrong with his,
1: the study of history today that they're looking at it that way or what do you think um that's a very good question i i think that what you find in history is that look there's no objective history so and if you've if you've never read the books uh novix that noble dream um it's about objective history it just doesn't exist um, but you look at the biases in history, and this has always been there. And I think that certainly when you talk about the progressives uh and progressive historians and leftist historians, I think that they are drawn to that kind of idea that yes, we can achieve the perfect. I mean, if we just had this program or this thing, we could get to here, and that would be perfection. But the problem is they're never happy with any of that. So they keep moving the goalpost. Once we get this, it'll get this, and then we're gonna get that, and then we have to get this. Right. Now if you go back and I know that um I believe you had Zachary Garris on your, on your program. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So he just came out with that little book on Dabney and, you know, from, from uh, if you look at the South and you look at what Southerners were saying right after the war um, about society, whether it was Dabney, whether it was women like um, Augusta Jane Evans um, and others, they were talking about what would happen with this reformist mentality. The Pandora's box was going to be open, and then you couldn't you couldn't close that lid. I mean, once you once you allow for whatever social reform that might be beneficial today, it's going to lead to this social reform. And that social reform is going to keep moving, and it's never going to stop. So, I think that historians have been drawn to that because they they look at history as a crusade. It's a constant crusade, a constant movement. And right. So that factors into that where we got to go from this step to this step. And these are, these are positive movements. It's, it's positivism is what it's called. Um, but that's certainly part of it. There's always a positive movement for, for mankind rather than just the idea of say a cyclical, uh, mankind where, you know, things come around, they go, what goes around, comes around. And that man is the, is the center of all of that. And so as man, as human nature never changes, they believe you can change human nature. Um, and that's the whole point. Yeah. So there's an anthropology at the bottom of this, a fundamental disagreement about
0: who man is and, then, and man's uh, nature. Absolutely.
1: I mean, it's, it's basically Rousseau and, and Hobbes, right? I mean, or, or, or Rousseau and Aristotle. Um, but you know, Rousseau's belief that if we didn't have civilization, we would all just sit around that campfire, hold hands, and sing Kumbaya. I mean, that would be it. Yeah. Civilization made man bad. Or you take Hobbes would say, no, 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 you're completely wrong. Look, it's, if we didn't have civilization, we'd all kill each other uh, because man is inherently evil. So we need to have civilization. It makes man better. Um, I, I really think the left today believes in some way there's a, there's a part of them that does not like civilization, particularly Western civilization, because they think it's made people greedy, uh, oppressive, It's done all these things to make people bad and they don't really see the positive out of it that has actually come with it. Um, now I'm not sure if the, if the American leftists, they're not, I mean, they're Bernie Sanders is a real Marxist, but you know, uh, Ocasio-Cortez is, I mean, she's not really a, a, she's, she says she's a democratic socialist. What these people really want more is just a seat at the table. They want more than what they're getting. And they have all these, you know, utopian ideas. Um, but I really do believe that's part of it. It's, it's an attack on Western civilization because I think it's made people bad. Um, and that's, that's unfortunate because it's done so much good in the world. Uh, without it, uh, we would be in real dire straits. Yeah, I was actually just looking at
0: some stats on the poverty line in this country and the, those who are um, below the poverty line, a lot of them are actually richer than the middle class in many European countries, which is amazing to me. The We've had such an amazing system uh, in this country. And, and to, to rip it down as oppressive is, is just very disheartening for someone
1: who, who loves it and likes the ideals it was founded on. Um, I want to ask well, you, you'll go well, ahead. Here's one more thing to say about that. You know, if you look at the poorest person in America today and you compare them to the wealthiest person in the Middle Ages, <laughs> yeah, there's no comparison, right? I mean, you take Charlemagne from the great King of Kings uh, in the ninth century AD Charlemagne would love to have a lower middle class house because it would have power and air conditioning. Right. He'd have shoes. <laughs> He'd have things that you could get ready, readily available food uh, that you don't have to. I mean, worry about having some type of illness from. I mean, it's it's amazing what we have. The medical care we have, the worst medical care in America, is better than the best medical care in the Middle Ages. So um, we take all this for granted. Uh, we really do, and that's that's a sad thing about it. Yeah. 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 Good word on that.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you because we were talking about this, uh, Wiggish kind of notion that, you know, we're, we're kind of going towards this utopian dream. And this was, it is on the left. There's a Marxist undercurrent and so forth and Rousseau and Hobbes, but on the right, uh, within the last, what, five years maybe, and I'm sure it's existed before them, but it's become popular now to say, well, things are getting better. And it's all because of the Republican Party. And I've gotten so used to hearing this. Every time uh, a leftist wants to bring up slavery or the Civil Rights Movement or uh, any kind of oppression in America's past, there's always a Republican there to jump in and say, well, you know, it's the Republican Party that actually got rid of those things and is, is making things better. And that's Trump's in that tradition. I know that's historically... Tenuous at best. There's there's something wrong with that. Could you explain to my viewers uh,
1: what's wrong with that? Uh, Why is that thinking dangerous? Well, I mean, it depends on which Republicans you're talking about, right? So when you look at the Republican Party, even in the 1860s, um, Lincoln. A lot of people. Lincoln was just as racist as any Democrat in 1860. I mean, he said as much in 1858. Um, he was willing to keep the Union together and keep slavery. If it, if it kept the Union together, willing, Lincoln said as much. He was willing to do it. In fact, as late as 1865, he promised uh, Alexander H. Stevens that if the South just comes back in, uh, you can vote down this 13th Amendment. Or maybe we can postpone it, maybe to 1890. Who knows? We can put this off while you all come back in and get acclimated again. We'll, we'll put, we just want the Union back together. In fact, there's a school of thought that Lincoln was trying to create some type of conservative party. Uh, on, at the end of the war. That if he could get some old Southern Whigs, and of course, maybe some Northern Democrats, and maybe some Northern Whig, and they could kind of put this thing together, they can marginalize the radicals in the Republican Party. So yes, there were people in the Republican Party who would be considered the progressives. They would be the people today who were trying to push the envelope. And of course, abolition was one of those things. And we can all recognize that you know, slavery, ending slavery is a good thing, right? right. Uh, but the way it was done is always the question. Um, and Lincoln's response when Alexander H. Stevens, again, from the South said, well, what are you going to do with the slaves? He said they can root hog or die. Well, for years, the North had been able to end slavery on their own terms. They could do it gradually. They could they could integrate these people in society. So what you do in the South is just say, all right, slavery ended. Now get do everything on your own. We're not going to – I mean, we might try to help you. Maybe we can, but you're on your own really. And now you're talking about 3 million people without really much education, no property, uh, they, they have to integrate in society and a society that's now destroyed by a war. And there's going to be some some backlash to that. So, I mean, this this is hard and it could have been done better. So certainly there's that. Um, now, as far as racism, I mean, look, everybody in the 19th century, for the most part, was racist. You can't find anyone that wasn't. Even the Republicans who were so so-called saviors of African-Americans in the South. You look at what some of these people were saying, and it was just some of the most vile racist things you'd ever see. Uh, and uh, David Wilmont, I'm not going to use the language, but David Wilmot of Pennsylvania, who was trying to prohibit slavery in the territories, uh, said, look, we want these territories for free white men. This is what they are, free white men. We don't want any former slaves, any any freedmen, any slaves. We don't want them there because we want this for white people. So that was certainly the undercurrent of the Republican Party. Now, fast forward to, to Jim Crow, um, and you look at uh, Jim Crow that came out of the North. If you read C. Van Woodward's The Stranger Career of Jim Crow, he points this out. It was Northerners who created Jim Crow, and then the South adopted it. Um, you look in there was a, a um, newspaper article from Connecticut back in the it was the 1850s. It's about a train car, a woman who was there with her slave traveling to Connecticut. They told her to go stay in the in the slave car because or the the colored car they uh, because she was there with a, with a uh, this is the Jim Crow car. Uh, because she was there with uh, with uh, an African-American woman, her slave. So um, the, the North is not free from this, and the Republican Party is not free for this. Look, there's also a theory that the Republican Party was really the party blocking civil rights more than anything else. They could have brought these things to a vote, and they refused to do so at times. Um, so it wasn't necessarily just the Democrats. The Republicans were complicit in this stuff. Uh, and I think that's that's just short, short-sighted to right. say the Republicans good, Democrats bad.
0: Yeah. yeah, going going out west. I mean, I think of uh, General Sherman and what he said about Native Americans, uh, right. which I don't even know if I want to repeat. But um, right, yeah, I, I just scratch my head when I hear that, and it seems like history is now being politicized from both directions as a Absolutely. weapon to just yeah. hammer each other. There's no actual like. Well, let's understand before we we start cherry picking things from the past. And and that concerns me, which is why I really appreciate, um, I've, I've heard you before at Abbeville and, um, I, I was actually just on the website looking at some of your lectures and I appreciate the way you approach this because you really seem to want to understand what happened before making judgment calls.
1: Um, well, I mean, it's, you shouldn't do Look, history is about understanding history is remembered past. And how do we remember the past? And not just that, how, how do we understand the past? I mean, can we understand say, um, uh, an, an 1850s, uh, individual who is racist. Can we understand what they were saying about things? Um, and, and not that we would agree with them, but can we understand the context of the times? Can we understand what's going on there? Um, without having to pass judgment on them from the beginning, just, and I, I have a colleague I was talking to the other day about John C Calhoun. And I said, look, I was, I brought up something with Calhoun. And he said, oh yeah, Calhoun's, but I mean, he just, uh, he's awful. I said, why is he awful? Well, because he said those things about slavery. Well, okay, but did he say anything else that was worthwhile? And, and are we just gonna outright say somebody is no good because of something that we, they said that we don't like? Well, there's right. also that notification thing. Well, I mean, what was he saying about that though? I mean, why did he say these things when he said them? And he really couldn't answer that. And this is a historian. Um, so, and I like the guy, he's a great guy, but I mean, he just, it's that, it's getting locked into these platitudes, these slogans, Calhoun bad, because he said these bad things, so we just can't like him anymore. Um, We can't value anything you had to say about anything whatsoever. And that's a trap because it puts us in an intellectual box.
0: Yeah, I I remember a quick story a few years back. This was at a university, a professor who claimed to be an expert in civil war history. Uh, I had, um, he had actually kind of in an aggressive way said, well, how can secession be legal? This was treason. I said, well, and one of the things I brought up, I, I said, what about the, the ratification agreements? He said, what ratification agreements? Said, so, yeah, well, when the constitution was being ratified, like Virginia and New York, uh, you know, they, they said that they could leave and that doesn't exist. I don't know what you're talking about. I had no concept. And, right. and this is someone who went through a PhD program at a prominent state-run university and is teaching. Uh, I, I just can't fathom. You, you never heard of that. So, um."
1: we need we need <laughs> we need good historians really bad well i mean that's that's a good point most historians are so specialized now that they don't want to get outside i mean he's a civil war historian but he doesn't know anything about the constitution and that's right. that's important because it, the war had this constitutional component to it it wasn't just you know battles and and uh, leaders and it, you had to understand the constitutional part of it and uh, but historians are very specialized now And one of the things that I've always tried to do is get into a variety of different things. I don't want to just focus on the war. I don't want to just focus on the constitution. I want to do other stuff because it helps me as a historian understand more. I mean, so it's, it's fun to do more stuff and historians used to do this. Why is it that if you're, if you go into history, you have to just focus on one thing, your entire career and just focus on that all the time. Um, that's that's number one is boring and number two uh, it doesn't as you said give you that context or that understanding a deeper understanding of american history
0: all right well let me play the trailer really quick for your uh the advertisement i guess uh that uh, for your um McClanahan academy
1: hi i'm brian mclanahan welcome to mclanahan academy my online learning portal for a real history education. Here's why I created it. Let me tell you a little bit about me. I have a PhD in American history from the University of South Carolina, and I've taught at the college or university level for over 20 years. And in that time, I have seen dozens of college history textbooks and thousands of students. The textbooks are getting worse, and the students are becoming mere automatons, only capable of regurgitating slogans and platitudes, they're being indoctrinated. We are losing real education in America. Of course, there are great teachers out there, both private and public schools, but they're often restricted by the adopted curriculum from the local school board. Homeschooling does offer a reprieve, but many parents struggle to find the right material to use for their children. then there are the lifelong learners, people with a real curiosity for the truth. They were indoctrinated, and they want to wake up. Enter McClanahan Academy. This is my way of helping sandblast away the years of rust, corrosion, and brain rot produced by mainstream history curriculum. My courses challenge conventional wisdom and modern groupthink. They are for the strong-minded, curious students who wants a real history education untarnished by establishment academics. You also won't be drowning in PC nonsense at McClanahan Academy. You'll get a full dose of men like Patrick Henry and George Washington, a more complex understanding of major events like the War for Southern Independence and the Declaration of Independence. This is your politically incorrect gateway to the American story and Western civilization. This is your red pill. McClanahan Academy presents American history the way it was intended to be told. No PC, no progressivism, no Marxism. So as you can see, McClanahan Academy offers something different. It's not your establishment, politically correct history curriculum at your college or university. So come on in, enroll. It's always free to do so. And get your real history education at McClanahanAcademy.com.
0: Sure. And that was such a good trailer. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah it, the just it, you did a good job. That 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 really I think speaks to the heart of what's going on. Uh,
1: well, people were indoctrinated. In yeah, it was my in my huge fancy studio here at my house. <laughs> I was you know had film crews come in. No, I mean it That's was. That's what you know, I figured. You went out and got the footage and yeah. <laughs> uh, so. was great. Thank you. I appreciate. It. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do it. And what's, um?
0: it's Harris is the code. If people want to go and they want to purchase this, Harris is the code they
1: can type in and they're going to get, uh, was it 15% off? 25%. 25, off. 25, wow, it grew. 25% off, yeah. So like federal um, debt, it's growing. Yeah, you can get 25% off and that will get you any of the classes on the clanahan Academy. Twenty. If you want the, the US History course, which is the the Comprehensive Survey course. But if you want the one on the war, if you want the one on the Constitution, if you want the one on Reconstruction, any of them, 25% off, so... Um, it's a take. Take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, if you have kids and you're homeschooling and you want them to appreciate the good things about this country and understand them, you want them to have heroes like George Washington and Patrick Henry, which you just mentioned in the video. Um, I, I would really highly recommend you purchasing this. It's really not that much money. You get a discount, and I, I know what you pay for some of the curriculum uh, alternatives out there, and they're not that good because I've seen them. And uh, so. Um, I really hope you, you do that. Thank you so much. Uh, Brian, I appreciate
1: you. thank
0: you. Final uh, question for you here. Um, and I've been asking this a lot. I'm on a kick, a barbecue kick, I guess. Uh, everyone's got a different opinion about barbecue. What is your favorite style? Is it North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, Arkansas, Memphis? What, what do you like?
1: Well, I mean, when I was in South Carolina, I ate a lot of Maurice's barbecue, which oh, is I love Carolina. Lot. So, Uh, I would have to say that uh, that's my favorite. Um, now where I live now, we do not have very good barbecue. Uh, it's just, it's not good. It's okay. But I mean, it's, it's not what I like now. I like pulled pork. Um, so I'm not a big fan of uh, briskets. Okay. But I like good lean pulled pork, and um, it's if you don't do it right, if you chop it up, you got too much fat and gristle, and it's not as good. Uh, so um, I like it good and lean, and I like that that pulled feel. And um, oh, yeah. but that that Maurice's that hash
0: they put on it at Maurice's. That hash, is so what,
1: I, what I always like to do is get their homemade coleslaw. Just put the barbecue slathered the, and then put the coleslaw on top. Smash it all together. You got a coleslaw barbecue sandwich. It was just. I eat there oh, probably three times, four times a week when I was in graduate school there. So oh, uh, I
0: wish I lived by there. I, I take their hickory uh, mustard base; that's my favorite. Um, yeah, it's good, and I love it. I, are we going to have a history of barbecue class? on am
1: Academy. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't think I'm that well versed. I do know a guy that, uh, but uh, he's uh, he's in he's one of Clyde Wilson's students as well, um, Alan Cornett, and he does barbecue history. So really, uh, yes. I don't know if. Uh, well, I'm not going to have him teach for me, but I mean, he, if you wanted to get a guy on to talk about barbecue, I'd get you in touch with them. I, talk I about would. Barbecue. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather have someone that can make it than <laughs> teach it, but, uh, you know, that's I was just talking in my last
0: uh, broadcast with Trevor Loudon, who's an expert on communism. He's from New Zealand. And I asked him, okay. do they have barbecue in New Zealand? He said, no, it's just, you know, get a pork chop, put it on a grill. So he that's came barbecue. to America and got introduced to barbecue and doesn't want to leave. So,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, in the North, even when you say barbecue, they think you're talking about a hot dog and a hamburger. That's right. On on a grill. That's now right. you're from New York, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's- I grew up in New York. Yeah. I'm actually originally, I hate, I try to hide it, but I guess it's going to be out there. I'm from California
0: originally. Okay. Right. Um, but I got a lot of family in Mississippi, and we would go down and get real barbecue. And, you know, I go back up to New York, and they say, we're going to have a barbecue, and it's like a hot dog. So,
1: <laughs> I- that's right. That's what it is in the north. It's it's on the grill. So it's not real barbecue. But uh, if you ever get a chance, if your listeners are not from the south and they get a chance just to go through, you should try try some of the barbecue joints because it's just it's life changing. You get southern barbecue. That's right. There's nothing like it.
0: Yeah. You'll never leave. But make sure you're conservative and you value southern traditions. Because if you're a Yankee listening to this who doesn't care about you know the gun rights and all that kind of thing, you know don't 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 come and stay here. So, <laughs> right. that's right. There you go, <laughs> uh, Brian. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate it. God bless. Yeah,
1: appreciate you having me on. Thank you. All right.